Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So, I'm so glad you're here today. If you are a visitor to us or to church, it's great that you came. You picked the best day of the year to come because Easter is really the key day for Christianity. It's the day we celebrate Jesus, a real man, rising again from the dead, a real event, not just weird kind of mythological story fables or, or whatever. It's real. He really did die and rise again, and everything changed from that day. I wonder if you were alive when the Berlin Wall fell. If you are, then you're about 26 older than that, around there somewhere. If you were alive, you remember the momentous day the Berlin Wall fell. Wow, what's going on? The whole world seems to have changed in one day. We woke up in the morning and everything's different. I remember when apartheid fell in South Africa around about the same time. Overnight, suddenly everything's different. Could this be true? We thought this was never going to happen and it happened. Do you remember when communism fell? They, they just announced, we're not going to be communists anymore. It was like, what? This can't really be happening, can it? And yet it happened. Uh, where currencies change. I remember being in countries where the currency changes. And from one day to the next, you're using a whole new currency. And you think, what? how could this happen? Momentous changes. Liberation Day and, and the occupation of Jersey here in the Second World War. One day we were under British rule, the next day the Nazis were ruling us and we had to drive on the right-hand side of the road. I wasn't alive at that time, by the way, in case you're wondering, but some of us here were. And suddenly everything changed. And then Liberation Day, we set free from the occupation. Again, in one day, you wake up in the morning, everything's changed. Have you had days in your life where you've woken up and everything is different. Maybe after an operation, maybe you were very sick and you woke up the next day and, wow, new lease on life. Phil was in the outback of Australia and he had a heart attack. Miraculously, he got to the right medical help that he needed and woke up the next day. But, I mean, it must have been like, this is amazing. My whole life changed. Maybe I remember after I got married, I woke up the next morning happy as anything, but thinking, wow, this is a new life. And I want to say to you that the Bible tells us that when Jesus rose again on that first Easter Sunday morning, everything had changed. More than the fall of communism. More than a change in you know, time zone, a change in currency, a change of government. More than all of those different things, that day changed the course of history. And we've seen it. We've seen the whole of human history change from then onwards. You know the calendar we use. We're in a year that is dated since a man called Jesus. And yet at the time, he had a small band of followers who were defeated. They were uneducated fishermen. They had nothing to offer. He was not a powerful or rich man. He was crucified and killed by the Romans, executed, hung up on a piece of wood to die as a criminal, shamed and publicly humiliated. And yet that event changed history and Christianity overtook everything in the world. I mean, it's just expanding on a daily basis. Christianity is gaining more and more and more and more ground 
That can't be normal. That's not an explainable phenomenon. It has to be supernatural. And I want to explain to you today three things that changed on Easter morning, that first Easter morning. The first thing is that the debt of the whole of humanity was paid. Have you ever had a debt that was forgiven? I had a friend called Christine and she owed a huge amount of money. She used to own a farm and she borrowed millions of US dollars on the farm and then she lost the farm and yet she still had this debt. And she came and she asked me for a job. She said, can I work? I've just got to try and repay this debt. But it was so enormous that we knew she could never repay this debt. And yet she kept trying every month, making little payments. And one day she got a letter from the bank and they said, we have forgiven your loan. It was completely canceled in one day. And she came and spoke to me and it was like the weight of the world had been lifted off her. The Bible says that the debts that humanity owed because of our sin, every time we break God's law, another debt was added to humanity and it just accumulated. And there was no way for it to be taken away. It could not be forgiven. In the Old Testament, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bible, I'm going to speak as if you're not a churchgoer, just in case. It, there is an Old Testament, which is the way things were done before Jesus. And then in the Bible, there is a New Testament, which talks about life after Jesus. And in the Old Testament, they used to make sacrifices of animals every year. And in fact, more regularly than that, to try to wash away their sin. They knew I've done wrong. I've broken not only God's rules, but other people's rules. I've, I've sinned against people, against myself, against God, but there was no way to wash away the debt. You could kill an animal, you could repay, but the debt still remained. I'm sure you can relate to this. When someone does wrong to you, it doesn't matter how much revenge you get or how much justice you get, the pain remains in your heart, doesn't it? And the Bible says there was this debt that was accumulating and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we were paying for our ancestors' debt as well. But Jesus paid the price. You know, when he hung on the cross, the very last thing Jesus said before he died, the Bible says he gave up his spirit. They didn't kill him. He gave up and breathed his last. But before he did that, he said, it is finished and it's a greek word tetelestai which was the word they would stamp on an invoice if you owed a, a person in that day some money you would get an invoice and when you paid for the invoice when you'd finished paying off that debt they would stamp on the invoice tetelestai and that's what jesus shouted out on the cross he said it is paid in full it is finished the debt has been paid you say how can that be possible how could one man pay for my debt and not just mine but everybody's debt how could that be the answer is because he is god and he never sinned himself and so when he paid for sins on the cross he was paying for your sin and mine the debt was paid there's a beautiful verse in isaiah 53 verse 5 and 6. it says he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities 
The punishment or chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, momentously, every debt for sin was completely paid on that Easter morning. Can you imagine the, the revolution there would be in our country, in our island, if everybody's debts were wiped out in one day? Wow! Could you imagine? And the Bible says that your debt and mine forever was wiped away. The second thing that changed on that day was reconciliation between us and God. Do you remember I spoke about the Old Testament and the New Testament? In the Old Testament, people could not approach God. God's presence dwelt in a building called the temple and in a very special room in the middle of the temple called the Holy of Holies was where God's presence was like a flame above a box called the Ark of the Covenant. And one man, called the high priest, was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies one day per year to sprinkle some blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And they would tie a rope around his ankle and there was bells on him so that if they heard that he'd stopped moving, they could pull him out with a rope because he would have fallen down dead in God's presence. One day per year, one man could go into God's presence for a short time and make sacrifice. There was a veil, a curtain, a wall that separated humanity from God. And we know that that wall was our sin. And when Jesus died, the Bible says that curtain was torn open from top to bottom. A thick curtain, hugely um, heavy, torn from top to bottom. It was a high curtain. There was no way any human could tear it. It had to be God. He said, the way is open. Reconciliation has been made. I can be friends with you again. God wanted to be friends with us, but there was no payment for sin. And so we couldn't approach. But now the wonderful news is anybody at any time can come and be reconciled to God. Momentous changes. I mean, this changes everything. Let me read you a few of the verses that talk about this. Ephesians 2 verse 17. He preached peace to you who were, were afar off and to those who were near. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household or the family of God. I can be a son in God's household. Another verse, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And Colossians 1 verse 21 says, You who once were alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, now he has reconciled. There's a, there's a friendship, there's a love. We can be close to God again. And for thousands of years, generations of people, 
were born, lived and died separated from God. The whole of the Old Testament, people were far from God. They couldn't get close. They tried. They tried by human effort, by doing good things, by obeying rules, by sacrificing animals. They could not get close to God. Even the high priest once a year went in, but he was not close to God. Nobody could be friends with God like we can because everything changed on that Easter morning. It's momentous. It's bigger than any political change. Suddenly we had access to God. And the third thing that changed was a change of government. I don't know if you're aware of this. Many, many Christians are not aware of what I'm about to share with you today. But Jesus in John chapter 12 and verse 31, right before he was about to be crucified, he said something startling. He said, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Let me say that to you again. Jesus is about to die on the cross. Remember, Jesus is the one who throughout his whole life, the devil has been tempting him to sin. Every day, the devil would come to Jesus and try and tempt him to go off from what God had told him to do. And Jesus never once listened to the devil. And at the end of his life, he's about to die on the cross. And Jesus said, now the ruler of this world is about to be cast out. Now, this is surprising to many people because many people think, God is the ruler of the world. He always has been. He is now and he always will be the ruler. And so we don't even think about, is there another ruler of the world? But Jesus said, now the ruler of this world is about to be cast out. What was he saying? Why did he say that? He was talking about the devil. And we know that the devil was given temporary rulership over planet earth when adam and eve gave away their right to rule planet earth they gave it to the devil and for thousands and thousands of years he was the one who had the right god wasn't happy with it but adam and eve had given it away and so god had to honor the fact that the devil was the ruler of the world you know when the nazi occupying force was in control of jersey we didn't like it. I wasn't alive at the time, as I say, but people didn't like it, but they knew they had to put up with it. There was little pockets of resistance and people tried to fight back and they, they would kind of be a little bit negative and otherwise towards the Germans, but there was nothing they could do about it. But on Liberation Day, we were set free. We were released. We were able to drive on the left-hand side of the road. We didn't have to learn German as a forced language in the schools. We were allowed to have a radio again. We could have food without food rationing. There were rules that changed and we didn't have to obey that old ruler. And you know, many people say, why is the Old Testament so different from the New Testament? I read the Old Testament Bible and there's people getting slaughtered all over the place and there are rules and punishments and there there seems to be kind of a weird way that God relates to people and I'm trying to understand why is the Old Testament like it is I want to tell you why because there was an occupying evil ruler called the devil but Jesus defeated him and cast him out 
when he died on the cross. It was momentous. It was bigger than apartheid getting thrown out of South Africa. Bigger than a change of currency. Bigger than any change you or I have ever been through. The ruler of this world was cast out and now there's a new ruler standing or sitting on the throne in heaven called Jesus. And I want to close by reading a psalm to you. Psalm 110. Now, Psalm 110 was written by King David hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But it is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. Let me just explain that. The New Testament, the, the new part of the Bible after Jesus, quotes the Old Testament a lot. They use verses from the Old Testament and they, they say this happened and this happened. Psalm 110 is by far the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. It is the most important. It talks about Jesus the most. And I'm going to read Psalm 110 to you because it explains this change of rulership. There was a government, an occupying force, but on Easter Sunday, everything changed. Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, God the Father said to Jesus, Come and sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So Jesus has died, he's risen again, and we know he goes back to heaven. And the Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And God says, sit here until I make all your enemies your footstool. Verse 2. The Lord will send the rod of your strength out of Zion. What's the rod of your strength? It's the symbol of a king's rulership. It's saying out of Jerusalem where it started, where Jesus rose again, it's going to start spreading out. The rulership of Jesus is going to start spreading to the next town and the next village and the next country, the next continent, even to the ends of the earth. And then it says, rule in the midst of your enemies. There are enemies still running around. The devil is still around. But now we have the rightful rulership of Christ. And we can extend that rod of his rulership all over the world. What is that rulership? It's his peace. It's his love. It's his justice. It's his truth. It's that message of reconciliation with God. As we tell people about Jesus, we're extending this rulership, this love and this peace of God wherever we go. But then this next verse says, your people. Actually, I'm going to read it in the NIV because I think it's clear. It says, your troops will be willing on your day of battle. I'm a troop and I'm willing. Basically, this is where you and I have to decide. We're sat there and we know that the momentous changes happened. But now this new ruler, Jesus says, who will be with me? Who will be in my army? Who will come and receive this forgiveness and this reconciliation and extend my kingdom to the ends of the earth out of Zion? And it says, your troops will be willing on your day of battle. That means we say, not just, oh, okay, I'll go to church. Lord, I'm excited about being part of what you've done for me and extending it to the ends of the earth. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. We're covered in holy robes. We're made clean, not because we're good, but because Jesus has forgiven us. It says, your young men will come to you like the dew from the morning's womb. That, you know, I was walking the other day, early in the morning, and the sun was coming up, and there were droplets of dew on the grass. 
And as the sun came up, they started to glisten. And as the sun got higher and brighter, they shone brighter and brighter. And this is the picture of us, the, the troops who are part of this army that has understood what Jesus has done. We go out and we shine like little drops of dew and we get brighter and brighter. Proverbs 4 says, The path of the righteous is like the first light of dawn, getting brighter and brighter to the full light of day. God's kingdom is growing. He's extending His rule. It started on that Easter morning, and it's been growing steadily ever since. It will never cease. Isaiah 9 says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. It keeps growing, but He's looking for people who hear this message, who say, wow, everything's changed. We allow Him into our hearts. He forgives us. He changes us. He, he renews our lives and our minds. And, and He changes us bit by bit. But then He says, now be a troop that's willing to go out and share love with other people. Share my healing with other people. Share my message with other people. Share my forgiveness, my reconciliation. All the good things that I've given you, share this with people. And as you do that, you're like a little glistening drop of dew that shines the light of Jesus to the full light of day. Eventually, he'll come back and he'll rule and reign forever. Everything changed on that Easter Sunday. Bigger than the fall of communism. Bigger than any change, you or I, Brexit or USA elections. It's bigger than anything we've experienced in our lives. Everything changed. But you and I have to say, Lord, I want to be a willing troop. He won't force us. He's done it all. He's paid the price. The veil has been ripped into. The way is made open. But he says to you and I, will you come in? I remember when I experienced this. I was a young 17-year-old. I was a rebellious teenager. My family was in ruin from my parents' problems. I was a messed up kid. And somebody said to me, Jesus loves you. He's paid the price. Will you receive him? Will you live for him forever? And I said, I will do my best. I don't feel qualified, but I'll try. And God came in and he changed me. And bit by bit, day by day, I've seen him changing my life more and more. And being part of his mission to try and change the world and help others is part of that. And it's been the most wonderful experience of my life. Mary Magdalene was the first person to see Jesus after he rose again on that first Easter morning. I want you to imagine the scene. Early in the morning, she goes to the tomb where she's seen Jesus' dead body being placed. She's seen him wrapped up in spices and, and uh, bandages. She's seen the large stone be rolled in front of the tomb. She's seen it being sealed with a Roman seal, and she's seen a battalion of Roman soldiers outside guarding the tomb so that nobody can interfere with it. And she arrives early on the Sunday morning, and the stone is moved. And she looks in, and there's nothing inside. It's empty, and she is confused. She's dazed. A glimmer of hope is in her, and she's saying, could this, could this be true? Is this possible? Could Jesus have really been who he said he was and could he have risen from the dead and overcome all the powers of this world and all the spiritual forces? Could he be that powerful? 
And she comes out and she's dazed and she meets a man and she's crying. She doesn't recognize him. She, she thinks he's a gardener. She says, where, where is Jesus? What have you done with him? And he just says her name, Mary. And suddenly she recognizes the voice of God. And all that hope comes flooding in and overflowing and she realizes it's true. As unlikely as it is, Jesus has risen from the dead. There is nothing too powerful to hold him down. He can overcome everything, even death. He is the Lord of creation and she falls down to worship him. She goes and tells the disciples. They tell other people. They tell other people. And you and I, 2,000 years later, are here because of what they told somebody else and told somebody else. A supernatural change, a momentous shift in the whole world started that day and it's progressed to where we are today. My question to you, friend, is are you willing to be a troop in his battle? Jesus is the mighty victor. He's running ahead of us. You know, when I was a young kid, we played a game called Open Gates. I think it's called British Bulldog here. And what would happen would be there would a whole bunch of us would line up on one end of the field and there would be one or two people in the middle and they would call somebody's name and when they called your name you gathered your courage and you ran as fast as you could towards the people in the middle of the field and you tried to break through to the other side of the field did you ever play that game if you broke through everybody else it was open gates and everybody could run and you just ran all of us ran screaming and the two in the middle tried to stop as many as they could but most of us got through friend what happened on that first Easter morning was the devil had been standing in the middle of the field and nobody had got through to the other side to be friends with God now nobody had ever made it People had tried and failed and failed and failed and Jesus ran through and he not just broke through but he disarmed the power of the devil. Colossians 2 verse 15 says he disarmed him. He took away his armor, his robes, his glory, his power. He triumphed over him in the cross, the Bible says. He made a public spectacle of him. He knocked him down. He took off all his strength and his power and he left him in the dust. And he said to anybody who wants to, open gates, come on in. But you and I have to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing on the day of your power. Shall we pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you that it is as true now as it was when Mary Magdalene first realized it, that you have defeated death, that you have changed everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you did for me all those years ago when you forgave me. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I pray, Lord, for many of us in this room. I pray for all of us in this room, Lord, that we would run through those open gates today. I pray nobody would be left on the sidelines, not running to freedom today. Friends, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you, 
to be brave, to make a decision today. Perhaps you're here today and you say, I used to be running. I used to be a willing troop in Jesus' battle, but I've lost my fire. I've lost my fervor. I've lost my wonderment at this amazing gift that he bought for me. I've lost it. And I want to be revived again. The great news is you can be revived again today. You can be revived again today. You can start running again. And you can lead others to run to freedom today. And you may be here today and you say, I've never made this decision to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be a willing troop in your battle. I want to be one of your army. I want to receive this forgiveness, this reconciliation. Thank you, Lord. Wash me clean. Today, you can make that decision. In a few moments, I'm going to invite those who want to be revived again or who want to join God's army for the first time. I'm going to invite you to stand up where you are. And we're going to pray a prayer together. And God is going to wash you and reset everything in your life and start you on a new path. And then after that, we're all going to stand up and we're going to worship God with our full hearts and voices. There's a verse in John chapter 6 where Jesus says, No one can come to me unless my Father draws him. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless my Father draws him. What that means is if you are feeling a drawing in your heart to say, yes, I want to respond to this, it's the Father drawing you. It's not yourself. It's God pulling on your heart and saying, open gates. It's open gates today. If you're here today and you want to make that decision, you say, Lord, I want to be a willing troop. I want to run to battle with you. I want to receive this forgiveness and be revived again or for the first time. I'm going to ask you to stand in a minute and then we're all going to stand after that. So please stand now if you want to, if you want to reset things and you want to receive it today. Just stand up and say, Lord, here I am. I receive it today. Stand where you are. God is watching. No one else is watching. Holy Spirit, fall upon these people right now, I pray. Make them, make them willing and powerful troops in your army, Lord. Revive them. Refresh them. Restore the joy of their salvation. Receive them if they're making a first-time commitment. Lord God, start us up again, I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you would fall on these people right now. Lord God, as their hearts cry out to you, God, as they open their hearts to you and say, Lord, forgive me, I thank you that you always say yes. And I thank you, God, that right now you deposit your power, your anointing, your peace, your joy, your cleansing forgiveness right now upon every single heart that is open to you here today. Lord God, I pray that you would restore them and revive them. Set them back on the path of serving you. Lord God, give them joy and salvation again and let them run strongly in the race that you've called them to. In Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.